Welcome. You're listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning. It's good to see you all in worship, wherever you might be. I was looking at the calendar a minute ago and realized it has been a year since we started worshiping virtually and uh, quite a year it's been. I was looking in the mirror the other day and I was like, well, that's a lot of gray hair that's kind of sprouted up and hiding in my head. And uh, I think we've all earned it, <laughs> our gray hair this year. Well, this past Wednesday, I had a really fun uh, interview with Carrie Weatherford as part of our Closing the Distance uh, ministry on Facebook Live. Um, we're doing it every Wednesday at noon on the Roswell Presbyterian Church Facebook page, so you can go there. Uh, this uh, Wednesday, I'm going to interview Dr. Randy Jackson, which promises to be very entertaining. He's going to tell us kind of his approach to uh, studying Scripture. You know, he's been in ministry for a long time. He's going to share some stories from the past. And we're also going to get some expert advice on mustache care. So you're going to want to make sure you tune in for that. And I want to remind you that next Sunday, we're going to have a congregational meeting at 7 p.m. We'll do it virtually on Zoom. Um, this is an opportunity to approve uh, the 3% raise for the pastors. We've already done that for the rest of the staff. But because the pastors are in relationship with the congregation, it requires a congregational vote. And also, we're going to elect our new slate and class of elders. So you'll want to uh, make sure and sign up for that. Well, today we continue our sermon series through the cracks. Been looking at these stories of Jesus and how we see how the cracking of creation allows for the light to get in. Today we're going to jump to the Gospel of John and we're going to look at a story of a conversation of Jesus that Jesus has with a man named Nicodemus. Let's look at John 3 verses 14 through 21. Listen for the word of the Lord. And just as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the Holy, the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come into the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious, loving God, we ask that in the next few moments you might be our teacher, that you by your spirit might speak a word that only you can speak, or that we might hear this great good news, that you did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. And may we step in to that salvation today. In your name we pray. Amen. I have always been a hard sleeper, and that's a good thing, right? Not always. I remember one of the most humiliating times of my life like it was yesterday. 
Growing up, I'd often go to my best friend's house and spend the night. We had the best time. We would play one-on-one basketball for hours on end. We were equally matched. We'd get to scores like 200 to like 198. We would go all around the neighborhood. We would TP our friends' homes. We would stay up late watching movies. We'd munch on popcorn. We'd eat candy. We would drink our own two liters of Mountain Dew. We just loved it. And we'd stay up as late as we could, which meant when we went to sleep, we were dog tired. And I remember one time I woke up the next morning and I felt this wet around my underwear and my shorts. My sleeping bag was wet and the carpet was a little wet too. And I realized I'd wet the bed. And I spring into action to try to to hide it. I go and I throw my underwear away. I begin spraying cologne all over the sleeping bag and in the air to cover up the smell. But I still knew. I was scared of what I had done in the dark. You see, my friend and I, we had the reputations of as cool kids. And let me tell you, wetting your bed, definitely not cool at that age. Cool was who I was in the light, but I was embarrassed about who I was in the dark. We all have our two sides, don't we? We have who we are in the light, and then we have who we are in the dark. We have our light side and then our night side. Our passage today comes in the middle of a conversation that Jesus is having with a man named Nicodemus. Of all four Gospels, only the Gospel of John tells the story or even mentions the name Nicodemus. He does it three times. And this is the first. And John makes a point as he tells the story to highlight the fact that Nicodemus comes to to have a conversation with Jesus. He comes during the night. He comes at night. The text highlights that fact. This conversation occurs at night. Chapter 3, verse 1 reads, Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus. A lot of people don't know this, but his friends called him Nick. Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. Nicodemus is a religious teacher. He's a Pharisee. He's a leader in the community. Scholars tell us there were about 7,000 Pharisees at the time. They were religious Folks, leaders in the community. Pharisees and Sadducees, about 70 of them, made up the governing council, which is called the Sanhedrin. It was chaired by the high priest. And these 70 were the leaders in the community. You kind of think of them like the United States Supreme Court. They made all the important decisions for the community. The Sanhedrin did. And Nicodemus was a member of the Sanhedrin. He's a leader in the community. He's self-assured. He's self-confident. He's at the center of power. He knew what was going on, and this is what he is during the day. But the text reads in verse 2, he came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. See, Nicodemus approaches Jesus as a fellow rabbi or a fellow teacher. But make no mistake, he comes to Jesus at night. He doesn't want people seeing that he's going to talk to him. 
they have an interesting conversation. They talk about what does it mean to be born from above, to live one's life from a spiritual perspective. And Jesus says something very cryptic. It begins today's text. It says, And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus refers to this strange story from the Old Testament that comes in Numbers 21. And it's one of these stories that really freaks me out because it involves snakes. And this plague of snakes is sent upon the Israelites, and these serpents are biting the Israelites, and the Israelites are dying. And so Moses prays and figures out what he must do, and so he builds like this bronze serpent that he puts on a pole, and he makes and he elevates it in the community. And so if you were bitten by a snake, you just had to see the bronze serpent, and it would prevent you from dying. Now, why would Jesus refer to this story and say, just as Moses lifted up the serpent, so the Son of Man must be lifted up? Well, I think it might be because Jesus is alluding to the ambiguity that is about to happen in his own life with the events that are in his future. Just as Moses lifted up this image of affliction, an image of a snake, in the end it actually helps save the people. What the people thought was killing them actually is used to save them. And in the same way, Jesus will be lifted up on the cross. And what we witness as suffering and death will actually be used not as defeat, but as his great victory. You see, when Jesus uses this language, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, there's a Greek play on words on lifted up. The Greek word is hypso, and it can mean lifted up, but it also means exalted. Not just lifted up, but exalted. And so as it's, the text is saying, the moment of his crucifixion, when he's lifted up on the cross, is also, ironically, his great exaltation. This is the great irony of the Christian gospel. Whatever one sees as defeat, as suffering, and death will actually be used as his great exaltation, his identification with all human suffering and sin, and where actually he's not defeated, he defeats death itself on the cross. So why does Jesus tell Nicodemus this? He says, and just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Eternal life is not just constrained to life of in perpetuity after we die. It's also meant to refer to living abundantly now. I've heard it said, the important thing about eternal life is not its quantity, but its quality. If you believe, if you, you put your trust in what I'm about to do, Jesus says, I can offer you eternal or abundant life today. Nicodemus, if if you put this reality at the center, at the heart of your life, it can change you today. Step out of the darkness and step into the light. Jesus goes on to say, and this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. You're living in darkness. Step into the light, Jesus says. For some reason, 
People often prefer to stay in the dark. And when they do, they bring judgment upon themselves. As an illustration, a number of years ago, I was meeting regularly with a doctoral student at Georgia Tech. He came from a really extremely fundamentalist and conservative Christian church. It advertised itself as taking sin seriously. He had a picture in his mind of a God who was always judging him, who was always about to punish him, was to get him back for something he had done. He had this image of God of retribution and wrath, and this led him to live in constant fear of judgment. He also struggled with the obsessive compulsive disorder, so that combined with this kind of theology made it a big problem for his life. One day we were meeting, and I was trying to think about how to describe this to him. And I discovered he was a huge fan of Vince Gilligan's television show, Breaking Bad. Now, Breaking Bad tells the story of a high school chemistry teacher who was diagnosed with terminal cancer. His name is Walter White. And since Mr. White doesn't have much money, he doesn't have much to, to leave his family, he begins to use his science expertise to make methamphetamine. He first says he's just going to do it for a little while just to make a little money. But once he begins, he can't stop. And guess what happens? Mr. White's life falls apart. He breaks bad and he gets bad in return. He continues his illegal drug operation and loses everything in his life that he values. He loses his friends, his job, his family, his reputation, and eventually his very life. He does it all in secret. He does it in the dark, and eventually the darkness swallows him. And so I asked my friend, I said, do you think God is judging him? See, in the fabric of the way God has constructed the world, if you live in the dark, the darkness will eventually swallow you. If you live unjustly, it'll do be your undoing. When you lie, people will, will not trust you anymore. When you steal, you'll be in trouble. You will eventually pay the price for it. I think Vince Gilligan probably was a fairly strong Augustinian, Breaking Bad. St. Augustine used to say, Sin contains the seed of its own punishment. Sin contains the seed of its own punishment. Step into the light, Nicodemus, and you will experience true life. As I mentioned, Nicodemus appears three times in the Gospel of John. The first time is in chapter 3, which we've just read. The second time occurs in John 7. Members of the Sanhedrin, that ruling council there in Jerusalem, ask the police why they have not arrested Jesus yet. They ask, why haven't you arrested him? And the police say, we've never heard a man teach and say the things he's saying or doing the things he's doing. And the leaders in the Sanhedrin say, oh, have you believed in him too? Notice none of us intellectuals have believed in him. None of us leaders have. And Nicodemus steps forward. He says this, shouldn't someone be able to defend themselves before they're arrested? And he defends Jesus. 
And then the Sanhedrin step forward and argue against Nicodemus with some good old-fashioned xenophobia and say, surely you are not also from Galilee, are you? Search and you will see that no prophet is to arise from Galilee. But you see, Nicodemus is beginning to step out of the darkness and into the light. He's not giving in to injustice. He's not giving in to prejudice and hate. He's stepping into the light. The third and final time Nicodemus is mentioned comes in chapter 19 in the book of John. Jesus has been crucified, dead, and buried, and Joseph of Arimathea steps forward and asks Pilate for the body. Pilate grants his request. And so Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus take the body. And in verse 39 it reads, Nicodemus, who had at first come to Jesus by night, notice how John again mentions it, Nicodemus, who had first come to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about 100 pounds. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it with the spices and linen cloths according to the burial custom of the Jews. The text can't stop reminding us, Nicodemus, who had come to Jesus at night. Nicodemus first came at night, but now he is stepping into the light. The crack in his darkness is letting the light shine in. Now, why do I find this so interesting? Because Nicodemus came in the secrecy of night. He didn't want anyone to know that he was associated with Jesus. My question is, but then how do we know the contents of their conversation? How do we know that they met in secret? We can only know if Nicodemus eventually told others about their conversation. What used to be a secret is now in the light. What was in the dark, what was done at night, now is no longer a secret. It's been shared. And there's this power that comes from letting the light shine in the darkness. There is a freedom in telling our secrets. The pastor, theologian, and writer Frederick Buechner wrote a powerful and insightful memoir called Telling Secrets. In the memoir, Buechner tells the story of all the secrets his family held for many years. And how in holding those secrets, it crushed him spiritually and emotionally. He tells the story of his father's alcoholism. Tells the story of his father dying by suicide when he was 10 years old. The family never talked about it. They were overwhelmed in shame and guilt. And Beekner, in telling secrets, steps forward to share. He shares about his daughter's struggle with anorexia said he kept it in the secret, they kept it in the dark, and it only made things worse. And in a moving passage, Beekner speaks to the power of stepping into the light. Listen to this. He writes, What we hunger for, perhaps more than anything else, is to be known in our full humanness. And yet that is often just what we also fear more than anything else. It is important to tell at least from time to time the secret of who we truly and fully are because otherwise we run the risk of losing track of who we truly and fully are and little by little come to accept instead the highly edited version which we put forth in hope that the world will find it more acceptable than the real thing. 
It is important to tell our secrets too because it makes it easier for other people to tell us a secret or two of their own. In telling our secrets and letting people see who we really are, we find freedom and open ourselves up to grace. We step out of the darkness and into the light. And because Nicodemus doesn't stay in the dark, he doesn't stay at night, but he steps into the light of day, we have probably the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. It's told to him at night. He's like, I got, I got a secret I got to share. I got to step out of the darkness and into the night, into the day. There's a power in sharing with people who we really are. A number of years after college, I was hanging out with my best friend from grade school. We were talking about those epic basketball games that we used to have about hiding out and going in the neighborhood and teepeeing our friends' house. We reminisced about how we used to stay up so late. And then my friend says this. He says, dude, you're never going to believe this. I was still wetting the bed back then. I said, you were too? <laughs> in that moment, we went from living in the dark to stepping into the light. And I can't tell you how much freedom and grace and solidarity we found when we both disclosed our secrets to each other. The relief I felt was breathtaking. I was no longer in the dark. We were in the light together about who we really are. So friends, how may God be calling you to step into the light? to share with someone who you really are. God has come to put a crack in our guilt and our shame, in our secrets, so that the light can shine in. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that Nicodemus didn't stay in the darkness. He didn't stay at night, but he stepped into the light and gave us this great gift, this great message of your good news. We pray that we might follow his lead and not stay in the dark, but step into the light. In your name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.